0: You're listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton sports podcast. This podcast is a part of Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com and the Rise Up Podcast Community bit.ly slash riseuppodcommunity This is episode 109 of the Local Sunday Sports Podcast, and today, this episode is going to be a little different. It's going to be shorter, and it's going to be a lot more serious. As you might know, there was a bad shooting in Dayton Sunday morning, and there were nine innocent people that were killed. I'd like to mention their names real quick. Lois Oglesby, Megan Betts, Nicholas Coomer, Logan Turner, Thomas McNichols, Derek Fudge, Monica Brickhouse, Saheed Salah, and Beatrice Warren-Curtis. So nine that were killed on Sunday morning. One of them was the sister of the shooter, who was quickly taken down by Dayton police. And there were several people that had families. There's a mother of two in there. There's a father of four. There's a family man in there. All nine innocent people did not deserve that. And originally I thought for this podcast I was going to talk about that and, you know, call it a week. But. I look at the folks especially around the Oregon district that are back to work right after that and I I can't just uh I can't just not do an episode. So, I would like to talk a little bit about that. I believe the Dayton police deserve a heaping round of praise because the shooter was taken out 30 seconds into the firings where 106 bullets were fired in that span if the police weren't there on 5th street we could be talking about a worse situation i'm not going to talk politics there's no point in it there's you know everyone's got their own viewpoints something has to be done though that's that's all i'm going to throw out something has to be done there was a stat i saw on twitter since 1968 Over a million and a half people have died. Because of these violent outbursts. And this year what I see. 250 some events. Where someone pulls up a gun and shoots innocent people like that. Yeah. If you don't think it's enough. Then I'm sorry. I can't help you. Something has to be done. And it breaks my heart that that happened. Not just it happened, but it happened a couple blocks away where I work with the Dayton Dragons. It happened in my hometown. It happened where I've lived all my life. You can say it's naive, think, although that'll never happen here, but let's be honest. It can happen anywhere now. It breaks my heart to have to look at the world like that, but there there's no reason those nine folks had to do had to pass away like that there's no reason they had to be slaughtered and murdered there's no reason for it something has to be done so this episode is dedicated to those nine victims and the folks that have to recover from this I mentioned on Twitter that my mental state's a little (laughs) frazzled from this. It's always frazzled, but this, this is, it's, it's hard for me to digest what happened. And the big thing is it doesn't directly affect me like those families. So it, it, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart knowing that happened. So... I I definitely hope this is the final straw and something gets done. Something. No more innocent bloodshed. Please. No more. I will also mention this. The dragons last night had Dayton Strong graphics made up and there were people passing out Dayton Strong signs to share with the folks. Mayor Nan Whaley came out and the Dragons, believe that it was the starting lineup, went out and dropped White Roses on home plate to honor those nine victims. it's, It's tough and For those that, you know, got in and eliminated the shooter like that, thank you for your hard work. And for the first responders, the people that work in the hospitals to get the victims that weren't killed, healed up, thank you. We are dating Strong. I know we'll get through this. It'll take healing, time... I just worry about the families I worry about the families I worry about the children left behind that's someone's mother that's someone's dad that's someone's kid these are innocent people that had no reason to be slaughtered like that no reason anyway I mentioned on Twitter I was proud to work for the Dayton Dragons and I still am and what they did last night was nothing but class so I I appreciate being part of it and we are Dayton strong we will get through this if anyone out there wants to talk to me you know I appreciate it or if you want to come to me and talk I'm here too so I do care So again, we are dating strong. I know we'll get through it. It'll take some time, but I know we'll get through it. There are two things I'd like to talk about. This week's episode is going to be short. Originally, it was just going to stop there, and I was say talk to you next time. But like I mentioned, there's people that I've went back to work after the tragedy... And why should it be different for me? So there are two things I'd like to talk about. Fresh new news just in the pipeline today. In the 2020-2021 school year, there will be a new conference foe in the Horizon League and for the Wright State Raiders. And it's not too far away. Try two and a half hours worth. I think. That's at least what Google Maps said. But Google Maps took me a weird, weird way. I'm talking about Purdue, Fort Wayne, and the Mastodons. The school formerly known as IPFW. They will be in the Horizon League. And talking about the geographical fit, like a glove. Like a perfectly fitting glove. Fort Wayne is literally in the middle of the Horizon League you can make the argument Indianapolis is but I don't know Fort Wayne's not bad I mean of course Milwaukee Green Bay they make those trips down here but still it's not bad Fort Wayne's smack dab in the middle not too far from Cincinnati and I mentioned two and a half hours from Wright State's campus The press release, they had a live stream on YouTube today to announce the move. It was announced for next academic year, Purdue-Fort Wayne will join the Horizon League. And that will be official July 1st, 2020. John Lacrone, the Horizon League commissioner and native of Vandalia, Ohio, Mentions he's excited to welcome Purdue Fort Wayne to the Horizon League family. The Mastodons aligned with the Horizon League's mission, vision, and core values is located middle of our geographic footprint. Like I mentioned. Pretty smack dab in the middle of it. Purdue Fort Wayne is the right school at the right time. This will be the second full year that Fort Wayne has donned the Purdue Fort Wayne name tag. Uh, previously, they just went by Fort Wayne for their athletics, and before that, it was IPFW. If you're wondering why it's not IUPUFW, I don't know. I can't answer that. Or why it's not IPI instead of IUPUI. I can't answer that either. Maybe someone else can. I can't. The athletic director at PFW is Kelly Hartley Hutton. I know our student-athletes, coaches, and staff, and fans are bursting with pride and excitement as we begin the transition into a new league and new levels of competition. We're incredibly grateful to our donors and friends who have provided financial support to help offset the cost of transitioning to a new athletics conference. Purdue Fort Wayne will be moving out of the Summit League after this year. And let me tell you the closest foe to Fort Wayne. That would be Western Illinois. Home of the Levernecks. I was going to say the DeKalb. But that's Northern Illinois, isn't it? It's not terribly close. Like I mentioned, two and a half hours. I believe this is longer. But also in the Summit League... Denver, that's Denver, Colorado North Dakota North Dakota State Nebraska, Omaha or Robertson, Oklahoma You have South Dakota South Dakota State and Then WIU Keep thinking of that Eastern Illinois I was in the summit But they're in the Ohio Valley That's a different conference Macomb, Illinois That's where Western Illinois is at by the way Good thing I checked that So, yeah, the Summit League is now, you know, in the heartland of the states. We're talking the Dakotas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, and Kansas City, Missouri. UMKC will be back in the Summit League next year. So, pretty spaced out is the Summit League. For Purdue-Fort Wayne, like I said, the the fit geologically you're going to save on budget just like that you're going to save on travel I mean the first you have to go is Wisconsin and that's you know for basketball normally you make that trip once you go to Milwaukee, Green Bay or vice versa the only thing that worries me that puts the Horizon League at 11 teams who's leaving? I don't know also in the Horizon League, that's now seven teams that are currently involved that have been part of the Summit League in any given point of their athletics history. Wright State, for example, from 91 to 94, and then they joined what was known as the Midwestern Collegiate Conference, now the Horizon League. There's that mass exodus of teams. The only three teams not previously involved in the Summit League or the Mid-Continent Conference Youngstown State, University of Detroit Mercy, and Northern Kentucky. That's it. It feels like the Summit League is becoming a feeder to the Horizon League, but... You know what? Sometimes that pays off. Oakland, Valparaiso, now in the Missouri Valley. i trying to think of Loyola Chicago was ever involved in it. I don't think they were. I believe they were one of the founding members of the Horizon League. UIC came in with Green Bay and Milwaukee with Wright State and Cleveland State, I believe. That's your five teams jumping in the mid-90s. So I'm definitely looking forward to having a closer conference foe in the Dayton-Fort Wayne rivalry. Back when the Comets were in the IHL 2.0 with the Dayton Gems 2.0, Dayton-Fort Wayne long hockey history. First year of the Dayton Demons, they're actually affiliated with the Comets. Although it was mostly uh, Fort Wayne Gives and Dayton Doesn't Get Back type of friendship. I mean, Fort Wayne, it's a great sports city. You have so much there. You got the Mad Ants of the G League affiliated with the Pacers. You got the Fort Wayne Comets, as I previously mentioned. You got other sports there. I think you have an indoor football team in the Fort Wayne Freedom. So I definitely like this fit with Fort Wayne. In terms of competition-wise, eh. I mean, Fort Wayne has gotten a lot better. But with this new move to the Horizon League, I believe that more recruits will come in because there's ample opportunities to follow... Those athletes. I mean, part of the Horizon League Network on ESPN Plus and ESPN3. I mean, who's to say? I can't tell the future, but I do think this is a nice addition. Now the only question is, what will the Horizon League do with 11 teams? I will say this. You know what's really nice about Purdue-Fort Wayne being added to the Horizon League? Baseball. That means there's seven teams now. And I feel with the addition of the seventh team next year, I think baseball will remain top six go to the conference tournament and whoever's seventh, sorry, see you next year. I mean, that's how it was before Cleveland State folded their baseball program. So that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. And I definitely want to welcome Purdue Fort Wayne to the Horizon League. And I think having the Fort Wayne and Wright State rivalry would be kind of a nice thing. Like I mentioned, you know, in terms of bringing a mid-major threat to the Horizon League, it'll take time. But I definitely think that adding Fort Wayne to the mix, it's a nice footprint where it's not overstretching any one school. You're going through Indiana anyway. Why not just stop at Fort Wayne? I still think Wright State and Norfolk, Kentucky will be travel partners. I don't know if you pair the two Indiana schools together. I mean, Fort Wayne and Indianapolis, it's not awful, I think. Actually, I don't know how long it is. It's up I 69. What does that do to UIC, though? would they be the odd team out without a travel partner or would you have a tandem of three schools in a travel buddy chain might work because you got Wisconsin schools Green Bay, Milwaukee you got the Michigan schools of Detroit Mercy, Oakland you got Cleveland State, Youngstown State Northeast Ohio I mentioned Wright State, NKU where's Fort Wayne for them I have to assume you put the Indiana schools and UIC together since Chicago isn't terribly too far from Indiana or Indianapolis, I guess. But that's just me. We'll see how it turns out in 2020-2021. So that's the new news breaking in the Dayton sports scene. We're going to take a break and we're going to talk about the trades that happened after last week's episode there were two that happened in fact and there was a scooping of the free agent markets we'll talk about that more here on the gem on the queen's crown the cincinnati and dayton sports podcast hi everybody i hope you enjoy the gem on the queen's crown the cincinnati and dayton sports podcast Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called Podcoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works you listen to podcasts, and you earn Podcoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that Podcoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations. Or you can even take the Podcoin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do, you download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play and simply use my code SincySport with two eyes and you'll get 300 Podcoins just for signing up. So go ahead, listen to this podcast or any podcast on Podcoin and sign up with the code SincySport with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. Podcoin. What's going on guys? Grant Pushcart here, joined by my co-director Victor Williams. Are you looking to bring more attention to your sports content over at Overtime Heroics? You can be a part of a growing sports community, such as podcasts like my own Cleveland surge and my own Philly special podcast. And if you're looking for a place to share your sports opinions, they also have an active forum for all sports topics. So if you want your sports content to be heard amongst other sports fans, go over to overtime heroics forward slash forums and make your first hot take today. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way of making a podcast. Anchor is completely free and gives you everything you need in one easy place on your desktop or mobile device. Anchor includes creation tools to make your podcast sound great, including the newly featured background music option. Anchor also takes care of the heavy lifting by getting your podcast out to the major platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even more. You can also make some money with your podcast with no minimum listenership required. What are you waiting for? Create your podcast by downloading the Anchor app in the App Store or on Google Play or visit anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm, the host of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday Sports Podcast? Visit the leewmawin.com slash podcast. Then click on Buy Podcast Merchandise made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T-Public. I'm Ty Yeager and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community a community for podcasters created by podcasters dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere rise up is not a network there are no contracts and no control over your content just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with the fellow podcasters to collaborate create and promote and guess what it doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash community. and follow the community on Twitter at Community. Again, that's bit.ly slash community. and at Community on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast community. Back with episode 109 of the local Sunday Sports Podcast, talking nothing but Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports mentioned last week about the big trade where Trevor Bauer became a red. And now it's time to talk a little bit about the trades that happened after publishing said episode. The source of the information comes from MLB The first one on the table was Tanner Roark had a good start with the reds, but as a late kind of slid a little bit. And the Oakland Athletics acquired Tanner Roark, with the Reds handling two point one million of the remaining salary. And the Reds get Jameson Hanna, a minor league prospect in return. If you think about it this way, Tanner Roark was acquired by giving up an outfield prospect. I think he was twenty fifth and I can't remember the name off the top of my head. And the Reds flip him for a very good prospect. I think number 10, possibly number 8. I saw those numbers float when talking about Jamison Hanna. And MLB trade rumors talk a little bit about him in the last paragraph. Soon to be turning twenty-two, second round pick in last year's draft, 2018. He was with Oakland's high A team at the time. Where he swatted 284. And 414 plate appearances. That's pretty good. Apparently his power isn't quite where it needs to be. But he's possessing a quality hit tool with an advanced approach. According to the paragraph. Baseball America consider Hannah a 50 grade prospect. Citing a sweet left-handed swing paired with plus athleticism and double plus speed. And also, Baseball America sees Hannah as a strong defensive center fielder and a likely big leaguer, making him a nice score for two months of Roark. With the Reds handling more of the money for Roark, I think Oakland decided it was worth it to send Hannah to the Reds' farm system. If you're a Dayton Dragons fan, sorry, you're probably not seeing Hannah. He's already in Daytona, and in fact just to tell you how he's doing with the Tortugas in advanced day ball for Cincy. 16 at-bats, 5 hits, a 313 batting average, th- 3 walks, 3 strikeouts, 2 RBI. His on-base percentage is 42.1%. And that's in just 4 games, too. And like I mentioned with Stockton in advance day for Oakland, 283, 88 strikeouts, 29 walks. A little tough number there on the ratio. But 31 RBIs and extra base hits. Well, there's plenty of them. Two home runs along with three triples, 25 doubles, and 106 hits combined. Zone base percentage was a little lower and stocked in Stockton at 34.1%. So pretty decent numbers for Jameson Hanna they will probably make the jump to Chattanooga in 2020. But I like that pickup. Like I mentioned, Roark was acquired for an outfield prospect back to Washington, I believe. And the Reds flip him to get a better prospect. That's alright. The funny thing about all this story is... Tanner Roark was in an Arby's parking lot when he heard the news. So I can only imagine... We to do the drive through. It's like, I just got traded! Sir, this is Narvi's. I think I saw that tweet. I don't remember who tweeted it, but they're creative, not me. And the other big piece of trade deadline news for the Reds no more Scooter Jeanette. He was acquired by the San Francisco Giants for cash considerations. So that's when the Giants like, look, cash. Yep, that's definitely cash. I consider that cash. No, that's not what it is, but it's something I always thought it was. So the Giants have acquired second baseman Scooter Jeanette, Mark Sheldon reported. And John Heyman reported the cash considerations to Cincinnati. The Giants have been on quite a tear, and it's a win-now move. They were sitting at the bottom of the NL West and now have charged themselves up top towards the L.A. Dodgers. I don't think anyone's catching up with L.A. unless they go radically cold in Chavez Ravine, but we'll see. Scooter Jeanette, this year was kind of a nightmare for him. Being injured most of the time. I really loved the pickup of Scooter Jeanette years ago from Milwaukee. And... He wanted to be in Cincinnati, so it's tough, but there's kind of a log jam in the outfield, and there's kind of a log jam in the infield, so Scooter had to go. Reds were considering cutting him. But at this point, at least they get something from San Fran. This year in 72 play appearances, 217 batting average, no home runs. Past few years, you Talk about best second baseman, you got to at least consider Scooter Jeanette in that line. I still can't believe the Brewers waived him. <laughs> I don't think that was your big problem, Milwaukee, but what do I know? Can he resign back to Cincinnati? Sure. He will take over for Joe Panic, who's struggling this year with a bad 231, three home runs, and 375 trips to the plate. So, definitely a nice pickup for San Fran, and it also kind of alleviates, you know, trying to find Scooter some playing time, although now Derek Dietrich is on the IL, so, yeah, what are you going to do? That's your two big trade deadline moves, and with Yasiel Puig being shipped off to Cleveland, Aristides Aquino was selected by the Reds. And he's uh he's doing alright. Had a big three run home run to tie the game in Atlanta. And so far batting three thirty three, four hits, twelve at bats, one home run. So a very small sample size by the Punisher. That's his nickname. A little change might do him good. He had low help coming in this season. And it seems like he might be sticking around this time. Another former Dragon that I saw... It's neat to... It's neat to see Dragons become Reds. It's neat to see Dragons get to the Majors. But when they stick in the farm system and become Reds that can help out... And not just, you know, back and forth yo-yos... Like the Reds have treated Philip Irvin, which is a shame. Because I think the Magic Man can help out Cincinnati too... I I mean, now you got another log jam. And the question is, can you re-sign Puig if you want to? <sighs> I mean, Aquino has done pretty well in this first few samples with the Reds. And I hope to see Aquino stick around. Like I mentioned, 4-for-12, very short time with Cincinnati, but... It seems like his adjustment has done wonders already. So Aquino now a red and also Tim Collins was picked up by the Reds. The article incorrectly says that Dayton is the AAA affiliate. That's wrong. That's the Louisville Bats. Dayton's the low A or single A as I prefer to call it. He was shuffling between the Chicago Cubs and their farm system this year and decided, instead of picking his spot in Iowa, look for greener pastures. And the Reds picked him up. So that's another left-hander, along with Amir Garrett and Wandy Peralta. That's reliever core. I think once Garrett serves a suspension for that big brawl... He's currently appealing it to see if he can get that number lowered. That might not be a bad signing. Collins has a 360 ERA, 9.1 strikeouts per nine, and his K-to-walk ratio is 1.80, over 242 and a third innings of a big league career that began in 2011. However, he missed 2015-2017 with two Tommy John surgeries. Those aren't easy to recoup from. And lastly, Kevin Gosman. He was part of the Atlanta Braves starting lineup. Had a really rough year. But the Reds picked him up on outright waivers. I thought he was a left-hander. But the article is saying he's a right-hander, according to this article. Gosman, this is his roughest year yet. Number four overall draft pick by Baltimore in 2012 joined Atlanta in a trade deadline that saw the Braves pick up the rest of Darren O'Day's salary and also shipping out minor leaguers Brett Cumberland, J.C. Encarnacion, Bruce Zimmerman, and Evan Phillips. Did really nice job last year for Atlanta. His ERA with the Braves 2.87 and 59 two-thirds. But this year he is one of the least effective pitchers in MLB. His ERA is at 6.19 through 80 innings. His strikeout numbers are 9.6 per nine. He has walked three per nine, and he has a career low 37 percent ground ball rate this year, which means he needs to get that together if he wants to pitch in Cincinnati, which is a hitter's park all the way. Interesting pickup. Poor fortune in 2019 also doesn't help. His fastball this year is down a bit. Uh, it's normally around 95. That's the peak. It's now 93.8, which, yeah, doesn't sound much. It's 1.2 miles per hour difference. But with the velocity drop, it can also help batters look at it and say, hey, I can hit this, and they hit it. He's allowing line drives at a career worst, twenty-seven. Actually, twenty-four point seven percent means about a quarter of a time it's a line drive. Like I mentioned, six point one nine ERA. Reds right now, if their starting pitching stays afloat, it's a pretty good core. Castillo, who pitched wonderfully last night and got his eleventh win of the year, Trevor Bauer. Sonny Gray, Anthony DiSclofani, and Alex Wood. That's a pretty nice core. That's a pretty nice five. So Gosman is probably going to be used, maybe as a long reliever, maybe as uh, a piece in the bullpen. New change of scenery. Maybe that'll help him rest of 2019. Interesting pickup. I, I think it might work in his favor. But we'll see how it goes. Lastly, in the set of moves, I mentioned that Brian O'Grady, when he makes his MLB debut, actually, I didn't mention it at all. I mentioned Aquino. When Brian O'Grady, former Dayton Dragon from, what would that be, 2015, 2016, when he makes his debut for Cincinnati, he'll be the 100th Dragon to debut in the majors. Impressive. I mentioned Derek Dietrich on the 10-day IL. Blake Trahan was sent for assignment, meaning he can stay in the minors or try for greener pastures. Reds don't exactly know how long they'll be without Dietrich. He's under a cold spell, has been for some time now. But with Scooter Jeanette being hauled off the Sam Fram, he's kind of needed. O'Grady's 27 years old, had 100 games with the Louisville Bats, hit 277, and hit 27 home runs. Big power outbreak for O'Grady, former 8th round draft pick. It will be interesting to see how O'Grady fares in Cincinnati, or how long he stays. We'll see how long Derek Dietrich goes about. Just to talk a little bit about the Reds. They split the four-game series at Atlanta to open up August. But won 7-4 last night. Had a 7-2 lead. The bullpen did give up a couple runs. The series with the Los Angeles Angels of Los Angeles will conclude tonight. It's just a two-gamer and looking to split the season series with the Angels. Off day Wednesday. And then a four-gamer at home against Chicago. And I believe Trevor Bauer is scheduled to start on Saturday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all 7-10 affairs. Sunday's game is 1-10. Up until the last series, the Reds didn't lose a series to Chicago, but the Cubs picked up the last one, two out of three. Then it's three at Washington, four at home versus St. Louis, who have flown over the Cubs and three more against San Diego before. A very long road trip to close out August. Three at Pittsburgh, four at Miami, and it looks like four at St. Louis with a doubleheader on the 31st. We'll take a peek at the standings of the MLB and just let you know, that this computer takes a while to load anymore. No. The Cubs are back in first place by two and a half games. Cubs 10 over 500, 61-51. St. Louis in second place now. They have lost three in a row and now four, six in the last 10. 58-53 are the cards. Milwaukee third place, four back, 58-56. Cincinnati five and a half out of the wild card spot and seven and a half back of Chicago, 53-58. and and Pittsburgh 13 back at 48 and 64. They have lost 8 of the last 10 have the buccos. Just to tell you who's leading the NL East, it's Atlanta 66-48, 6 up on Philly and Washington. NL West, it is the LA Dodgers now 18 up on Arizona and San Francisco. In the American League, the Yankees 9 up on Tampa Bay at 73-39. Still, really neat to see how the Yankees have fared. Follow the trips the IL. That's got to lead the MLBs. I know trips the IL is not a stat, but what the Yankees have dealt with, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Minnesota still leads the AL Central now by four games over Cleveland, and Houston on top of the AL West by nine games over Oakland. The Twins are 70-42. and 42. The Astros are 73-40. and 40. We'll also take a peek at the standings for the Dayton Dragons in the Midwest League. Dragons recently took 3 out of 4 from first place Bowling Green. And currently have a 2-1 series lead against Lake County. Lake County is already in the playoffs no matter how they fare in the second half. Bowling Green... Is currently in the driver's seat, but there is someone knocking at the door and ready to kick him out and hijack the car. Hot Rods. Look at all the puns I just said. By look, I mean list. Never mind. So your second half, there's not a lot of games left. It's 70 game half, and the Dragons are 20 and 23. Puts it at 43 with 27 games left in the season. That is crazy. And also the Dragons have more road games left than home. Which I can't believe that's the case, but that's sports. Bowling Green in first place, 25-18 and 18 in the second half. They're also tied with Great Lakes, but the Loons clinched the first half spot. So it's nice, but in terms of playoff spots, Bowling Green doesn't have to worry about the loons they do have to worry about the south bend cubs who are one game back of the hot rods they have the wild card spot and they're 24 19 overall lansing is the next team chasing a playoff spot they're 21 and 22 and four back of first place bowling green three back of south bend dayton at 20 and 23 five back of bowling green four back of south bend and Fort Wayne is not too far away either. There's seven back of Bowling Green and six back of their in state rival South Bend. West Michigan, 11 back at 1429. So it'll be interesting. Right now, if the season ended, it's Bowling Green and South Bend and Great Lakes and Lake County in the east. In the west, well, you got Kane County and Clinton. Right now, Clinton be the wild-card spot and Kane County the half-winner. It matters on home advantage if you win the half or you're a wild-card spot. You get a better uh, choice of home games when you're the half-winner. In case you're curious about the West, Kane County would be the second-half-winner at 30-13. and 13. Cedar Rapids already in as a wild-card spot holder. They're 26-14. 26 and 17, four back of Kane County, along with the Clinton Lumber Kings. Quad Cities, there's seven back of first place, but they won the first half pretty handily, so the River Bandits need not worry about playoff spot. Wisconsin's next up, there's seven and a half back of Kane County, three and a half back of Clinton. Beloit, 12 back at 18 25. Burlington, 15 28, 15 back. And 16 and a half back are the Peoria Chiefs at 13 and 29. In fact, the Chiefs have actually had a better stretch as of late. They're 6 and 4 in the last 10. Burlington has hit a cold spot in their hive. They're 1 and 9. Can Dayton make the playoffs for the eighth time in their team history in Dayton, Ohio? I certainly hope so. They have been playing better. But it's the road that I worry about. In this half, Dayton is seven and eleven on the road. Overall dramatic pause, eighteen and thirty-five. That's not getting it done. The Dragons really, really, really did I say really? Well I'm gonna say it again, really need to win all the series left. And that sounds like a big duh shouldn't they try to win all the series anyway? listen there's a road trip to Fort Wayne like I mentioned there they have a very long shot again in the playoffs but last time Dayton was at Fort Wayne they lost that series and Fort Wayne was in last place they need to win this one in Indiana home against Lansing that's a big series there Lansing's in the running with South Bend and the Dragons and then three at Bowling Green And I can tell you BG is probably going to be hungry for revenge after losing three of four and two off walk-off fashion against the Dragons. Then another series, this time at Lansing for four, home versus Fort Wayne for three, Lake County on the road at four, three at Great Lakes, and three against West Michigan to close out 2019. In fact, the Red Goose season will end Labor Day at 2 p.m. It's an afternoon game Monday, which is weird because normally all non-Sunday games are in the evening. This is not, so be aware. I think the Dragons, if they play well and they have bounces on their side, can. But South Bend, they're playing some really good ball. And you can't overlook Bowling Green. I mean, most of that lead is gone, but it's still Bowling Green. They have good pieces there. They might be missing out on Wander Franco who's tearing up Advance Day now. But Tampa Bay has done a nice job stalking their farm system. It's a long shot, but I think with a little Dayton magic, Dragons could make it. If they don't, it will be the 14th time this team has not made the playoffs in their time in Dayton, Ohio. Last time would be 2017. I believe they were the... First half wild card winner. And just one game away from being in their first ever Midwest League Championship Series. Which Fort Wayne lost. The team that took down Dayton. There's one more game in this series at home against Lake County. If you look on Dayton Dragons website. It mentions Royalty versus Curlis. That's incorrect. They pitched the second game of that DH. Let me tell you about that game. That game was good not a lot of offense one home run it was Brian Ray's ninth of the year I mean not a lot of size on Ray but a lot of pop come off that bat and he's very very consistent offensively so I think Ray will go to Daytona next year if there's a spot for him Connor Curlis, six shutout innings had the bases loaded against them two straight hits and an e5 I believe I think that was the call but got out of it with none crossing home plate. Royalty did a very nice job as well. He, com- he completed that doubleheader game, which is rare in the Midwest League to see a complete game in there, but lo and behold, he did. I think that's the second one for Royalty. And also, his last name's Royalty. How awesome is that? Curlis picked up the win, and Schmidt, the former West Michigan Whitecap, picked up his second save. And Royalty took his loss. Both of the starting pitchers ERA went down. Curlis was just a shade over three. Now it's 2.73. And Royalties was, uh, I think, five-something. 575, 675, one of those two. Now it's down to 426. And I'm not 100% sure what the starting pitching core is going to look like tonight. But follow me on Twitter, and you can find out. So, there we go. I also want to bring to your attention, for those that love high school baseball, the Bob Ross Classic is coming back to 5th 3rd Field this Thursday at 7. Yours truly will be the PA announcer. And the best incoming high school seniors of the class of 2020 will be participating. 19th annual Bob Ross Classic. I believe it's my... My third or fourth Bob Ross Classic announcing, I should know this, but I don't. It's free. Walk up, enjoy baseball, and the sound of my voice. The Bob Ross Classic will have heater and gem, inflatables for kids, and a percentage of concessions will benefit the Norma Ross Foundation, whose mission is to to support youth in the Dayton community, sponsor programs that aid cancer patients, and fund and advocate for organizations that continue to do breast cancer research. No, it is not the Painter Bob Ross. I know you were asking about that. It is a car dealership in Southern Dayton and Centerville. They've been around for a very, very long time. Bob Ross Auto Group's been serving Dayton for over 44 years, and they sell a lot of models of vehicles from Buick and GMC, and also impressive selections on pre-owned vehicles that are ideal for budget-minded shoppers. Come on out. You can see the best seniors around the area. I do not have a roster. Uh, If you search on Twitter, in quotes, Bob Ross Classic, there are a lot of uh, parents, kids, and ADs that have been sharing this information. One that I remember is Peyton Lane on National Trail. One I remember because... It's Athletes in Preble County. That's where I'm from. I love seeing success out there. And two, it's an easy name to remember. What can I say? So I'm really looking forward to it. And you can expect me updating on that event as well throughout the whole thing. And that will do it for episode 109. We are Dayton Strong. And if anyone needs to talk, I'm here. Please give me a shout. I'd love to help out as much as I can. Also, there is something I'd like to share, too. This is from whio.com. And this is by the fine folks at Chief Screen Printing on the corner of Marshall and Stroop. They have Dayton Strong shirts. I believe they made them for the tornadoes that hit here late May. But... They're going for 15 each and $8 over half of it goes to the food bank. It's ran by retired Chief Master Sergeant Roy Webster and also Anthony Tomlinson. Like I said, corner of Marshall and Stroop, pick them up, Dayton Strong. I'm going to pick mine up very shortly. We are Dayton Strong and I am here for you. Folks, if you need anyone to talk to, that will do it here. Episode 110 is next week, and I hope to talk to you again, ladies and gentlemen. Take care. For listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via Royalty Free Music, No Copyright Music Group. Visit the LeewMowen.com/slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Castbox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and at the Lee W Mawen and on Facebook by liking The Gem on the Queen's Crown The Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast page and become a member of the Facebook group Fans of the Local Cincinnati Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W Mawen saying goodbye and please join us again for another new episode of The Gem on the Queen's Crown, The Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.